Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumlaw Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumlaw or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumlaw.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. I'm going to start today by reading from Psalm chapter 15. Uh, these are questions that, that King David was, was asking. It, it says there, Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. Those who lend money without charging interest and could not be bribed to lie about the innocent. Such people will stand forever. Those who walk with integrity will, will stand forever. Those who walk with integrity will not be shaken. Uh, it was years ago um, that, that I found a wallet. Uh, and when I opened up the wallet, right, it's always kind of like, all right, what's going to be inside of here? It's like finding a treasure chest inside. There was actually a pretty decent chunk of, of cash and all the other usual stuff you find in wallets, credit cards and driver's licenses, even a couple of pictures. And so uh, obviously there wasn't any contact information in there, which made me think maybe I should put contact info in, in my wallet. But anyway, I did what probably most of you honestly would have done. I, I stalked the person on Facebook. I, I found them. I, I reached out over uh, DM and said, hey, you're probably panicking right now. I, I have your wallet. It seems like it's all intact. Uh, how, how would you like me to, to get this back to you? And as it would turn out, they were visiting uh, from out of state and they said, hey, can you actually, uh, can you mail it to me? And I was like, no problem. They're like, we'll Venmo you money. I was like, no, 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 it's not a big deal. It's going to cost like five bucks. So I, uh, I mailed them the wallet. And by this point, we were exchanging things over text message. And um, they, they wrote this message once it uh, arrived. And, and they were just absolutely shocked that everything was in their wallet exactly as they left it. Isn't it, isn't it tragic that we live in a world where people are more shocked by integrity than they are by, by a lack of integrity. We, we've been sort of preconditioned to, to expect a lack of integrity. It's, it's nearly weekly that we hear of some leader, some politician, some celebrity, even, even pastors that claim one thing but, but yet live another. The, the, the title of this week's message as we continue in this series, True Virtue, is, is a matter of integrity. In this series, we're exploring virtues that, that Jesus modeled so well for us that, that scripture seems to make a very big deal of, but for whatever reason, seem to be too often overlooked, at least in, in the American church. Actions speak louder than words. It's, it's easy to give the impression of good character without actually living it out. But, but here amongst this faith community, we, we are committed to not merely listening, but, but doing. Living like, like our resurrected Savior lived. So, so let's explore and even more importantly, put into practice those virtues that, that were the hallmarks of Jesus's life. Uh, if you weren't here last week, we kind of kicked things off with a bang. Uh, we talked about this, this topic, honor. Uh, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to that message if you weren't here with us at grumlaw.com slash messages, uh, or you can find us under Grumlaw Church wherever it is that you grab your podcast. But in order to prepare our hearts for what I believe God has for each of us today, uh, I would like to pray right now. Uh, God, we, we ask that you would fall afresh uh, on each of us today, meaning that we, we would hear from you in a unique way, in a new way, 
um, that we would soften our hearts and be willing to receive whatever it is that you have for each of us. Because I believe that, that, that if we're willing to listen, uh, if we allow ourselves to be present in this moment, we allow ourselves to, to put on a little bit of humility, uh, again, you do have something for us this morning. And what a gift that is, that the living God would care so much about each of our lives that he would be individually trying to speak to each of us today. So God, we pray for those softened hearts. We're expectant for how you're going to move in our hearts today. Uh, we love you. In the your name we pray. Amen. Now, uh, if we're going to explore this virtue, uh, integrity, uh, it's probably best if we make sure that we're all kind of on the same page, that we all have at least a baseline understanding of what integrity is, at least how it's defined within the pages of Scripture, this book, again, that we would call uh, the Bible, which we believe is the living, breathing Word of God. Uh, let's actually start with, with what integrity is, is not. See, see, integrity is not, as is so often uh, misinterpreted, it's not perfection. It doesn't mean that you never make mistakes. It doesn't mean that when someone around you makes you a, makes a mistake, you look at them and say, oh my gosh, you lack integrity. No, no, no. When we use this term integrity, uh, you can think of it as, as one who has an integrated life. In fact, we actually get our word integrity from a Latin word, integer, uh, which more literally translated means whole or complete or, or one. So, so when we say that a life of integrity is an integrated life, it means you, you push back as a follower of Jesus against what has become just normative, so pervasive in our culture. Too often, people without any level of shame or, or embarrassment will, will proclaim that, hey, I have my professional life, and I have my family life, and I have my social life, and I got my spiritual life, and I got my church life, and, and then I got this part of my life that really no one knows about. This over here is, is my private life. And, and this isn't just a, a pagan or a worldly philosophy. As we talked about last week, pagan doesn't carry a negative connotation as we so often interpret it. Uh, pagan is just this word that you don't believe that God's out there. You don't believe that God exists. You don't believe that God intervenes. So, so again, not just a pagan or a worldly philosophy. Uh, this has become all too pervasive in the church as well. That, that, that if your professional life began to butt up to your church life, well, you'd probably be a little more reluctant to come showing up here on Sunday mornings. That, that, that if your family life came into contact with your social life, like you'd maybe have some explaining to do. Compartmentalizing our lives ha has just become normal. It's just become acceptable. I mean, right? You, you can't possibly be the same person to all people, be the same person in, in all environments, Right? But, and this will probably come as a surprise to, well, no one, uh, Jesus would teach something radically different. He says, hey, if you're a follower, not just a believer, if you truly choose to follow me, you are called to glorify Jesus in, in all that you do. There is no, for instance, privatization of our faith, privatization of our spiritual lives. In fact, every other part of our lives takes its cues from our relationship with Jesus, and as such, we become whole, we become complete, we become consistent, that the same person, no matter who we're around and which environment we step into, because, well, Jesus calls the shots, no, no matter what. P people see less and less of you and more and more of him. It's a, it's a dying to yourself so that Christ may live in you. So, so with that as the backdrop, he, here would be a true God-inspired definition of integrity. Quite simple. Integrity is when your behavior matches your beliefs. That done are the days of compartmentalizing. 
Well, what you show on the outside is a reflection of what you believe on the inside. In Proverbs chapter 10, uh, in Proverbs is a book that if you've never picked up and read scripture for yourself, I would highly, highly recommend it. Proverbs is just a collection of wise sayings for everyday living. There in Proverbs chapter 10, it says, people with integrity walk safely, but, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. Now, now, quick show of hands. I guess you don't really have to do this because I can't see if you're going to do it or not. Uh, how many of you have ever done something wrong, Right? And after doing that wrong thing, how many of you have ever subsequently thought, I, I hope they don't find out, right? It's because, as the writer in Proverbs says, it's because you are not walking safely. You don't want to be exposed. Now, conversely, uh, I personally, I've never walked in integrity. I've never done the right thing and then laid awake in bed at night thinking, gosh, I hope nobody finds out what I've done. I hope that nobody finds out that I've done the, the right thing. Integrity is, is when our private lives are consistent with our public lives. You've probably heard this one before. It's, it's who you are when, when no one is watching. And, and here's how integrity differs from reputation. Reputation is, is who others think you are. And, and it's worth noting, but before you commit to following Jesus, this is what most people are obsessed with. It is, in fact, reputation that, that drives most of our actions, that drives most of our behaviors. But, but upon placing your trust in Jesus, as you become more and more obsessed with what God thinks of you, and subsequently, you care less about what others think of you, you become obsessed not with reputation, but, but integrity, because integrity is who you really are. Jesus, uh, he had a lot to say to, to those who operated with with a lack of integrity. And in fact, it could be said that the opposite of integrity is this word that, that we see pop up all over scripture, uh, this word hypocrisy. If you've been a part of this church thing for really any amount of time, uh, you've probably picked up on this, that one of the biggest criticisms of Christians is that we're all a bunch of hypocrites, that, 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 that we purport to believe one thing, but we live completely differently. And if you've ever been annoyed by the hypocrisy of Christians, you're, you're not alone. Jesus, in fact, throughout the gospel accounts, those four biographical accounts of his life, he, he was far harder on hypocrites than he was, for instance, prostitutes or thieves or, or adulterers. It, it would be very easy, actually, to come to the conclusion after reading about the life of Jesus that hypocrisy was easily Jesus' biggest pet peeve, that those who claimed what was right while, while living in the wrong. In fact, on one occasion, he would look at these hypocrites and he would say, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish and then the outside will become clean too. He's saying, hey, on the outside, you put on this front that you have it all together. You are rather obsessed with your reputation. But, but inside, it's, it's all greed, it's all pride. As we covered in our last series, Upside Down, Jesus cares far more about the condition of your heart than he does your right behavior. Right heart, remember this, trumps right behavior every time. Jesus is, is looking for fully integrated lives. In, in church, it's, it's why following him is, is no joke. See, before, when it was like the old covenant, 
When it was all about following the rules, it was easy to check a bunch of boxes and declare, okay, I'm good with God. In fact, that's what religion is. It's obsessed with the vertical. I will do these things so that I am good with you, God, and pays almost no attention to the horizontal, how you are doing with the people around you. So Jesus comes along and he says, hey, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. This isn't about rule following. It's not about behavior modification. This is about heart transformation. I'm not looking, Jesus would say, for access to parts of your life. I want want all of it. Jesus could care less about your right behavior if it isn't stemming from a right, from a pure heart. He he doesn't care about how loud you sing on Sunday mornings if your private life is a mess. He, He doesn't care if you act with integrity with your family if your business dealings are full of pride and greed. He calls, he in fact demands an integrated life. I mean, anything less, when you think about it, it's not really following. It's, it's picking and choosing where, where you deem Jesus to be useful. He, he, he becomes an add-on rather than, than our Lord and Savior. I want you to picture with me uh, a home builder, a home builder in this community who, who has built some of the finest homes in the area. And he's given 40 years to this craft. I mean, it's literally like he's given blood, sweat, and tears to, to building this reputation as the absolute best home builder in, in the area. And, and as he gets about halfway through his career, right, he starts thinking about it. Like, how long am, am I going to do this for? And he lets his, his employer know well ahead of time. It's like 10 years before his retirement. Hey, this is, this is the date that I'm targeting for, for my retirement. But when it's 10 years out, right, you don't really, it's like, okay, that sounds good. But when he gets to the five-year mark, he reminds me, like, hey, hey, at this point, that this is when I'm going to be done being a home builder. This is when I'm going to retire. And then at four years, then at three years, then at two years. I mean, his, his owner is, is more than aware that, like, again, retirement is approaching. He gets to one year and then six months and five months and four months and three months two months, one month, one week. And again, he's been making the owner more than, than aware. And it finally comes to his retirement date and, and the owner actually comes to him and says, hey, will, will you build one more home? And initially, honestly, he's, he's offended. He's like, I've been telling you this for literally like 20 years. Like we have had this date picked out. It's like, no, I, I don't want to build another house. I, I am done. But, but he's persistent, the owner. He keeps asking, no, come on, just, just one more, just one more. And eventually he, he concedes. But, but because his, his heart wasn't in it, because he didn't really want to build that one more home, he, he cuts corners. He starts doing things that he never did over the course of his 40-year career. He's using cheaper materials. When there's little mistakes made, he doesn't correct them. He, he pays less attention to detail. It's his last house. I don't really want to do it anyway. Now, now on the outside, this, this finished home, it, it looks great. But, but inside, he knew in his heart it was, it was second rate at best. And when the home's complete, he goes to the owner, he says, it's all done. The owner approaches like, oh my goodness, this is magnificent because again, on the outside, it looks great. And and, and as excited as ever, after this home builder has completed the project, he looks at him, he reaches into his pocket and and he pulls out keys and he says, hey, we wanted to surprise you. This home is a gift to you for your 40 years of service to this company. Thank you. And, And the builder in that moment, he, he recognized what we will all come to figure out at some point in our lives. You are building your own home. Every decision you make, how you live, what, what you say, what you do, you are building your own home. Whether you choose to be generous with, with your time, 
with, with your talents, the gifts that God has given you, with your resources, your possessions, your money, or you choose to live selfishly. Whether you're a person that chooses to do what is right or you're an individual that tends to, to cut corners. Whether, as we talked about last week, you're an individual who, who shows honor or, or you're someone who, who tears down God's precious image bearers. Whether you're an individual who extends grace, I mean, after all, that is what God through Christ has done for you, or maybe you're an individual who judges harshly. Whether you tell the truth in all circumstances, even when it doesn't really benefit you, or you're the individual that tells the stories in such a way that that it always benefits you. You are building your own home. Uh, Parents, for example, you want to know uh, the quickest, most surefire way to raise rebellious kids? Claim one thing, but, but live another. Show up here on Sunday mornings, but then get drunk around the bonfire with the neighbors. Sing during worship, but do nothing to outserve your spouse in the home. Claim one thing and, and live another. Uh, it was recently uh, that I, I took a trip to Arizona uh, where I was meeting up with some, some pastors from all over the country, and uh, it was an incredible trip, and on the way home, was looking at the weather, and it was like, oh man, there's like this huge storm rolling through the Midwest, and I had a layover in St. Louis, and sure enough, like we barely made it into St. Louis, and, and then like you looked up on the board, and that layover was supposed to be a 45-minute layover. It just delayed, 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 and it became pretty evident that's like, okay, we're going to be here for a little bit, and I hadn't ate dinner yet. It was getting later in the evening. I was like, all right, I guess I'll go grab some food. Now, the only problem was is like virtually everyone's flights were delayed, so if you've ever been in an airport in those scenarios, right, like the restaurants are packed, and those poor employees, they're doing and everything to keep their head above water. And so I look into this place, couldn't find a seat. And there was actually like one seat kind of like almost by the service area at the bar. And I was like, all right, I'll just go grab some food there. And so I went over and I sat down I pulled out my laptop. I was getting some work done. And I ended up sitting there for like three hours. I ordered some food and sat there, was getting work done. And when it was finally like, okay, I think the flight is actually going to like resume. And like, I'm going to get on this plane on tonight here after all. I, you know, motioned over to the server who was beyond stressed out, was working her tail off. She comes over and I said, hey, can I get my check? And she's like, no problem. And she's siphoning through all this different stuff, touching that touchscreen computer, like all that stuff. And, and she comes over and she hands my check. And I look inside and, and it was for like nothing. Literally like one drink was on there. And, and in that moment, right? I, I had a decision to make. She was working so frantically, right, that, that she handed me the wrong check and I could have put a card in there, been charged for that, walked away. And the reality is, is nobody would have known. None of you in this church would have known. My, my wife wouldn't have found out. My family, family wouldn't have known. But that, that moment as there was this internal struggle, because many of you know I'm, I'm cheap. This was an opportunity to save 35, 40 bucks. It was just this, what, what do I do? And, and really the question that I had to ask myself is what is my integrity worth? And, and on that day, I, I nearly found out it was worth about $35. Does my behavior match my beliefs? Even and especially when, when no one else is watching. But by the way, I did tell her that I had the incorrect check. In, in Psalm chapter 139, uh, there's a prayer here that's laid out for us. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and, and know my anxious thoughts. Po- point out anything in me that offends you and, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Y'all, this isn't like one of those like layup prayers. This prayer, it cuts deep. It exposes. 
It, it, it pulls what, what once lived in the dark into the light. I mean, seriously, don't you dare pray a prayer like this unless you are committed to actually following Jesus. God, is there any part of my life that is compartmentalized? Any part that isn't integrated around the truth and the goodness of Jesus? If you're watching right now and you're serious about following Jesus, serious about living an integrated life, serious about allowing God to search your heart, I have three questions that that I would invite you to ask of yourself that, that correlate to this prayer. The, the first one, number one, where am I most defensive? Typically, when, when you think about it, this isn't a Christian principle, this is just life. Wherever we are most defensive is, is where we're most vulnerable. It, it's where we are most likely to justify, most likely to excuse. I, I've been super vulnerable with this faith community that... Um, for a significant chunk of my life, most notably uh, as a young adult, uh, high school, college, coming out of college, I really struggled with exaggerating, which uh, is just a fancy way of saying I I was a liar. And and when people in my life first started calling me out on this, I I mean, I can't even tell you how defensive I would get. How dare you? Take the log out of your own eye before you talk about the speck in mine. It's not a big deal. Would you just let me tell the story? I I would get so defensive. Number two, what do do I not want others to know? Where is it that that you're hiding something and frankly getting away with it? What's that private stuff that that you're keeping from others? By the way, y'all, I'm just gonna kind of give a shameless plug right now for for connect groups. We'll have signups for those coming up here this fall. Every single one of you should get out of the rows of Sunday mornings into circles in people's living rooms. This right here is the foundation of connect groups moving forward. Pulling out into the light that which previously lived in the dark. I, I frankly am so over getting together with other Christians and tirelessly talking about the teachings of Jesus without actually allowing them to change or impact my life, affect our doing collectively as a group of people. The, the, the foundation, again, connect groups, it's going to be accountability and confession. Like it's a bit of a tragedy that you could sit with 12 other people for six months, a year, 18 months, and, and you still don't really know like what is going on in their lives no more. That is what Christian community is supposed to be about. What do I not want others to know? I, I, I'm gonna allow that stuff to get out into the light where, where again, at that point, Jesus is so clear. It's like, that's where it'll be dealt with. In, in the darkness, that that's where it grows. That's where it festers. That, that's where it begins to bleed out into other areas of our lives. And then number three, what do I criticize in others? The, the, the most glaring sin in our own lives looks most obvious in, in others. What you criticize the hardest is typically a reflection of where you are the weakest. That, that the person who overdrinks quickly calls out his, his drunk coworker. That the angry father is the one who most frequently mentions like the rage of the neighbor. The lazy roommate is always ready to share about their lazy classmates. Search me, O God, and and know my heart. Test me and and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Search me, God, and and point out any area of my life that, that is inconsistent with what your word teaches. Church, can we just be like really honest right now. 
for, for most of you who are watching, you, you don't really need to pray this prayer, do you? And not because your heart doesn't need to be searched, not because there's not any refining that needs to take place in your life. No, you don't really need to pray this prayer because come on, you already know, right? You already know the area or the areas of your life that are inconsistent with your beliefs. About two minutes in this talk, you already had that pinpointed. Your conscience was already lightened up. That that stuff that doesn't line up with the teachings of Jesus, you know where you are compartmentalizing. In fact, again, let, let's not play stupid with God today. You've known what those areas are for, for quite a while. And, and to be sure, you could treat today just like, like another day watching church, where, where, where you feel kind of convicted, where, where you even think to yourself, like, gosh, like, when am I going to get that area of my life together? But, but ultimately, you step away from the screen, you turn the service off, and 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 nothing changes. That there continues to be misalignment with your behaviors and your beliefs, and well, we'll see you next week. And, and church, listen, I, I get it. It is tempting to keep on living that way. After all, it's what most American Christians do. This path, the, the path of integration, a life of integrity, is the road less traveled. It's easy to excuse those three extra drinks at the party. It's easy to justify watching that miniseries. It's easy to, to fudge your kid's age to get the discount. It's easy to live this lukewarm version of following Jesus because it has become so pervasive and frankly acceptable in the American church. But, but come on, is, is, is that the legacy you want to leave? More importantly, is that the type of life that, that Jesus would, would give up everything for? I mean, if that's the type of spiritual game that you want to play with God, then why play it all? If Jesus isn't worthy of everything, I and mean, if he isn't worthy of every part of your life, then, then why follow him in any area? Church, what's really interesting uh, right now, all over the world, and I've made this observation several times over the last year, is that Christianity uh, is growing right now all over the world at an unprecedented rate. It's incredible what, what, how the, the movement of Jesus, that the gospel is spreading all over the world. In fact, the only part of the world where Christianity is on the decline is, is in the Western world. Uh, America, Europe, first world countries. And this, what we're talking about today, this is why. A lukewarm version of following Jesus is killing the American church because people look at our compartmentalized lives and think, honestly, like what is the difference like uh, about you and me outside of the fact that you maybe sacrifice a couple hours on Sunday mornings? They see us getting drunk at parties. They see us obsessively buying junk that we don't need. They see us bad-mouthing people behind their backs. They watch us stay the night at our girlfriend's place. A lack of integrity has undermined our witness. What grabbed the attention of the ancient Mediterranean world and even allowed Christianity to survive out of the first century, what is allowing Christianity right now in present day to grow in places like China where there is full-fledged persecution against Christianity it is because followers of Jesus have committed in those areas to living lives of integration, lives of integrity. Their behavior lines up with their beliefs and vice versa.
And, and as a result, <laughs> other people lean in. They, they go, what's, what's going on over there? As a follower of Jesus, you stand out. And you don't stand out because like you're a weirdo. You stand out because you are so clearly marching to the beat of a different drum. People take a closer look. They, they wanna know where, where this outward change is coming from. Church, this, this isn't easy. In particular, because we, we often don't know the outcome. We don't know what, what acting in integrity, living an integrated life might, might cost us. Friendships, relationships, careers, reputation. But, but let us not forget that when we choose this path, and this isn't like some token cliche, like Christian phrase. No, no, God promises us that he will be by our side. The living, breathing, almighty God. It's only actually when we operate with a lack of integrity that God says, hey, you're, you're kind of on your own. So, so let us as followers, not just believers, as followers, let us do what's right and trust God with the results because your integrity is easier to keep than it is to recover. It's tragic that our world is more shocked by integrity than a lack of integrity. So in the very same way that God shocked the world when he would freely give his one and only son, while you and I were still sinners, in the same way, may we as integrated followers of Jesus shock the world with our integrity, our love, our generosity, our grace, our patience, our gentleness, our self-control, our, our care. May, may, may people look at our lives and think, you know, maybe that, that Jesus fella who is so glaringly, has so obviously changed their life, maybe that same Jesus could change mine. I wanted to end today, uh, felt the Holy Spirit definitely leading, um, where we'd wrap up our time together by giving uh, all of you watching an opportunity to pray through that prayer in Psalm 139. But, but I want to invite us, I want to challenge us, don't, don't pray this prayer unless you mean it. If you have no intention of acting in obedience with whatever it is that God's going to lay on your heart right now or what he's already been laying on your heart to this point of the message, like don't pray this prayer. Don't, don't make a mockery of his word. But, but, but if you're ready to live that integrated life, acknowledge it, confess it and allow God to cleanse and change. And, and at his feet, you will not find rebuke, you will not find shame, you will not find embarrassment, you will find grace upon grace upon grace, grace overflowing. When we're quick to confess our sin, we will find forgiveness when we need it most. He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So take this time right now between you and God, pray this prayer, allow God to speak. Allow God to point out of those areas in your life where, where, where there's a separation, where there's not integration. Allow him to lead you to a life of integrity.
God, we thank you um, that when you convict and uh, when you nudge, oftentimes it is painful. For me, like this week, like it was kind of a painful week as you're peeling things back, as you're pulling things into the light. But I thank you that you're not doing that because like you take like (laughs) some sick pleasure out of like poking at our lives. Like it it truly is. You're just this loving father that's just trying to lead us towards something that, that is so much better. You have such better lives for, for every single one of us if we would just trust you, if we would just allow you to, to take the lead. And so, God, I pray that we would be a people of obedience. Give us courage this week as we step forward in, in whatever it is that you're calling us to. You're a good dad. It's your name we pray. Amen.